Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Here's the 2-0 pitch. Chick hits a high fly ball to deep right field. That thing is tattooed. Where will it come down? Cam Chick just left the ballpark, and it's 6-0 Huskers. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Yep, here we are. More Elite Eight action tonight, both on the men's and women's side. You got a chance. As wild as the men's tournament has been, Ben, you have a chance to have three number one seeds make it to the final four. Baylor's already there. They won their match last night with Arkansas, so they're there. Gonzaga and Michigan both favored tonight if they both win. It's not shock, but it's close, right? I mean, maybe the upsets happen early, but kind of the cream rose to the top if Gonzaga and Michigan both win tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, you think about all the craziness that, that ensued the first day into the into the second day, and then even, you know, teams making to the Sweet 16, things really straightened out. And, you know, that, that leads to compelling hoops, you know, right, you know, this time when you've only got, you know, 16, 8, four teams left. You want to see those, those best teams play. So, I mean, I'm excited to watch Gonzaga every time they're on. Obviously, Michigan, the run that they've had this tournament – Definitely has me intrigued, but um, yeah, the upsets are fun when they happen on the first day. But you know, once he gets to a certain point, I'm ready to watch the best teams in the country go at it. And and the other team that made it is Houston. They're two, so it's not like you know, it's not like they're a Cinderella making it to the Final Four. They were a two seed. So you, last night you had a two in Houston and a one in Baylor make it tonight. Uh, you you have a chance with you, if if either of the LA schools win tonight, then then that would be a surprise. Uh, because you've got a six seed and an 11 seed going against the two number ones in Michigan and Gonzaga. Which one of those, in your eyes, has a better chance of winning tonight? Between Michigan and Gonzaga? Between, yeah, UCLA, USC. Which oh, of, they, oh, of the, lower, which of the seeds. lower seeds have a better chance of beating one of those Man, number ones? That's a good question because I think, I think USC's probably looked a little better than UCLA, but they have a, in my opinion, they have a tougher test. Yeah, um, you know UCLA. If there is a team of destiny, kind of seems like it, right? I mean, they win that bunny bracket game against Michigan State in the first four. They they have a massive comeback in the second half. So maybe maybe the logic tells me that UCLA. I mean, I, I haven't looked at at the point lines. Maybe that's probably where you want to start. But give me UCLA over USC, just because it's really hard for me to see anybody beating Gonzaga right now. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I, I think. USC's playing better than UCLA, but they have a taller test. I, I mean, I, and you and I talked about this last night, how Michigan has kind of found themselves again after really stumbling at the end of February and didn't play great in Indy for the Big Ten tournament. They have kind of found their game as they've made their way through this tournament. So we'll see how this turns out tonight, but you have a real possibility of having three ones and a two in the Final Four. And I don't know that anybody would have thought that a week ago as we wrapped up the first round that it was going to look kind of that way at the end of the line. But that usually is what happens. The best teams usually prevail when you go through a long tournament like this. We'll keep an eye on those uh, tonight, both the men's and the women's side. Well, disappointing news earlier today. I don't, I don't think it was surprising, 
But it was disappointing that Husker Volleyball cannot have their final home matches with Penn State. The Nittany Lions have COVID issues going to their team, and so they have they post they're not coming. There's no matches, and I know there's got to be a lot of Husker fans who had gobbled up those tickets for Friday, Thursday, and Friday's matches to the Vanny Center. Not going to get a chance to see this team play in person, at least at the Devaney Center. Maybe they can get some tickets up to the NCAA tournament in Omaha when that thing starts here in a couple weeks. Not surprising. And, uh, wow, that's that's four home matches that Nebraska misses out on. You go clear back to week two, they couldn't play Northwestern. Um, man, remember how late that thing got, that thing got canceled? It was like 90 minutes before first serve. They decided to pull the plug on those two uh, matches, and now this one. That, that's disappointing. I know there's a lot of Husker fans, Ben, that are like, dang it, I really wanted to get in there and watch this team play. Yeah, it's, I don't know that it's unexpected, right? I mean, once we found out that the COVID issues were on Penn State's side of the net, the likelihood that they were going to make the trip to Lincoln was going to be pretty small. Um, I feel bad for the players, but I guess in this one case, I feel even worse for the fans because I listened to Coach Cook speak today, and you know he brought up a great point that some of his players were, you know, a little nervous that if Penn State had positive cases and they played, um, you know, would would that transfer over to their side of the net? And when you're this close to the tournament, uh, that's a that's a pretty big risk that you're running. Um, you know, if there is you know, contagious individuals on the floor. So I completely understand the player standpoint from there where, you know, are these two matches against Penn State at home worth it if it means the likelihood of somebody on our team getting in and, and us having an outbreak. So being so close, better safe than than sorry. So I, I understand it. And I get it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, you know, hopefully – the team can still find a way to have a productive week. And I know Coach Cook said they're probably going to scale it back a little on the weekend, give them a little bit of a break before, you know, selection Sunday. But, yeah, definitely a bummer. And, you know, at this point I think it was the right decision. You don't want to mess with uh, the notion that you could potentially have your season plugged by playing a game at the end of the year against a team that, you know, has some has some players on their on their roster that are that are positive. So fourteen and two is going to be the final regular season record for this this volleyball team, uh, losing a, a match to Minnesota and a match to Ohio State. So that's what will go in the books. That's what their resume is for the selection committee to pour over. And you mentioned it. I think Tim had it in the ticker. Selection Sunday. It's three o'clock Sunday afternoon. We learned the pairings. It's still a 48-team field, so there's been there's been no movement on that from the NCAA, even though you had a couple of high-profile coaches, including John Cook, who were fighting for this thing to be back to the normal 64-team field. Uh, they're not budging. They're keeping it at 48. So the format for a 48, it's different than a 64. What you do is the top 16, and Nebraska's certainly going to be among that group. They might be four or five uh, the way it looks right now. Uh, will get a bye. They won't play that first round. You will have teams 17 through 48 play each other, and then then the winners will then go to and match up with the 1 through 16 group in that second round. So the pairings come out Sunday, but the tournament doesn't start for about 10 days before it gets cranked up and gets going. So there's a, there's a, a lag time between when we see the bracket and all that and when the actual tournament gets going. That's different too, but I think they want to get people – into Omaha, into a bubble situation at these hotels, much like the 
the uh, men's basketball tournament and the women's basketball tournament have done in for the men in Indianapolis and for the women down in San Antonio. So get them into the bubble for a couple of days, do the testing, and and then start the tournament up a little bit. So when you're looking at it, when you you you've you've taken one match. If you're a team like Nebraska that's going to get that first round by, that's one fewer match you have to win to get to the national title game and to win a national championship. Now, you know, obviously you're usually a pretty big favorite in that first one anyway because you're playing in the old format. You would have been a one against a four in your pod, so you would have been, you know, a top 16 against a bottom 16 team. So you're a heavy favorite in that. But it's just one less one less time you have to risk going out there and playing uh, so you're immediately, if you're in Nebraska's shoes and being one of those top six teams, you're immediately one of the final 32 teams standing when this thing gets cranked up here in a couple of weeks. So disappointment today, but yeah, totally uh, understandable. John Cook was asked any chance of maybe finding somebody else to play, and he goes, well, we can't do anything out of, out of league. That's That's been a no-no from the conference from the get-go, and uh, he just acted like, no, there, there's really nothing else we can do with somebody else. So it's it's done. We're, we're that's it for the regular season. We're 14 and two, and we get ready to go to Omaha and try to make our way through the NCAA tournament here in, in the next couple of weeks. So that that will be a, that'll be interesting to fi- to uh, to follow as we move through. Husker baseball has announced a couple of new different start times, including the games, two of the games this weekend in Illinois. We were supposed to play at four o'clock Friday, two o'clock Saturday. Uh, Illinois uh, reached out to Nebraska and said, "Hey, we've got we've been having a bunch of wind." And we're like, "Really? It's not been windy in Nebraska at all. No, it doesn't wind doesn't blow in Nebraska." So, uh, but they said, "You know, it's just been so windy. Can we move it closer to sunset where the wind can die down?" Nebraska doesn't have any issue with that. That's fine. So Friday's game has gone from four to six, and then. Saturday's game has been moved from 2 to 5, so 6 o'clock first pitch on Friday night for Husker Baseball. We'll be on the air on the network at 5.30 for pregame coverage. And so so I just I checked it out earlier today, Ben, that sunset in Champaign, let me make sure I double-check this so I don't get this wrong. I want to be accurate with this, is 7.15. So we'll play on the lights, right? We're going to have the lights on. We're going to be playing some night baseball, particularly with the 6 o'clock first pitch. Uh, for Friday's game, we'll get about three innings in, three to four innings in before the sun sets. And so night baseball, that will be a little bit different for these guys. this year. we have not played anything close to a night game so far. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. And it, and it kind of sounds like maybe you and I will, will be out in the bleachers. We'll, we'll yeah. be hanging out outside. So, you know, we'll be enduring the elements too. And, uh, you know, hopefully the wind is, is somewhat calm for us, but it'll be a different perspective for us as well and you know yeah the team the team for sure being being outside playing in the lights and you know it's it's always an adventure playing at illinois for one reason or another and i, I kind of feel like this trip's going to be no different friday's high is only 50 you know it, it gets up into the 60s on saturday and even maybe touching 70 on sunday but it'd be a little nippy friday night for that game also nebraska has announced since the league has opened the gates and allowed fans to come to haymarket park that Nebraska is going to move some Friday games to night games at Haymarket Park starting a week from Friday as Maryland will come to Lincoln for a three-game series. And so the opener will be at 6.30. So you've got some 6.30 starts with that game, with the Rutgers game, with the Northwestern game. So three of the next four home series as the Friday game will be a night game, 6.30. That should make it a lot easier for folks who get tickets uh, to get off work 
get some dinner, get out to the ballpark for a game. So some night baseball will be coming to Lincoln uh, a week from Friday when Maryland comes to town. The last home series with Michigan, all going to be day games. BTN has uh, snatched up all three of those to put on the main channel on Memorial Weekend, and they want Michigan-Nebraska, so all three games. So those will be day games uh, against the Wolverines in late May. So that, that'll be that – those none of those games will be at night against uh, the Michigan Wolverines. So a couple of tweaks to the baseball schedule, including May 1st, the spring game for football, uh, which is going to kick off at 1 o'clock at Memorial Stadium. They have moved the baseball game from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock uh, so they don't compete against each other, and that certainly helps us out here on the net, the network because we'll be able to wrap up our football coverage and and then get you over to Haymarket Park for some Husker baseball later in the afternoon. So a lot of a lot of that kind of information coming out uh, today with Husker sports, and good to hear Cade Povich being recognized by the league for his stellar performance in the Friday game. He was named today the Big Ten's pitcher of the week. The Huskers had Cam Chick a week ago. Uh, named the player of the week, and now they have Kate Povich, certainly deserving, Ben. He he was terrific. He, and Will Bolt used this term last night, he, he pitched like a Friday night starter should pitch for Nebraska on Friday against the Gophers. Yeah, he did. You know, he, he, he I think that's kind of what we ex- – I mean, I don't want to say that's what we expect because I don't think I ever show up to the ballpark and expect a pitcher to throw seven shutout with 10 Ks and zero walks, but – that that's the ceiling that he can bring. I mean, he he is a really good pitcher. He's a competitor. The thing that I, that I appreciate most about Cade and I and I like most about him isn't what he what he does in weeks like this where he dominates. It, it's it's what he does in his starts, like the one he had against Arizona State in Tempe, where I think he allowed six or seven runs, but nebraska's offense was scoring at such a high pace he was able to get into the sixth inning he got a big strikeout in that inning to get him through five or through six and he was just as fired up as if that strikeout was a one nothing game getting him through eight he just really wants to win and that's what i appreciate most about Cade. and um you know he's gonna he's gonna hopefully build off of this and piggyback another great start what's been a really really difficult place to pitch this year um in champaign against illinois so I kind of feel like we're going to run into some similar situations that you and Nick had in Iowa City with some maybe ERAs getting inflated this week. But, you know, hopefully the bats are, are picking up their end of the bargain and, you know, can help the pitchers out some this week. Very good. Hey, buckle up and put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, three full hours of sports on it. Here's what we have coming up on the show tonight. Cam Jurgens, the Husker, now veteran center, right? He's been two years as the guy snapping the football back to the Husker quarterbacks, namely Adrian Martinez. Ben caught up with him yesterday before today's first practice for the Huskers. We'll have that conversation for you here in just a couple of minutes. And in hour two, it will be our Husker volleyball show for the week. John Cook, John Bader will be along in hour two to talk about about the cancellation, talk about the wins at Michigan, and get you primed and ready for the NCAA tournament with those pairings again being announced on Sunday. So we'll be talking Husker Volleyball in Hour 2, so get your comments, questions ready for the head volleyball coach. Third hour, Top 10 Tuesday. We're going to have some fun. We, this came up as a, a possible topic to all of us a couple of weeks ago about what are the best sports months of the year. 
We're going to have some fun with this one. I can't wait. Austin, Tim are going to chime in with Ben and I. We'll go through what we think are, at least for all of us, uh, the best sports months of the calendar year. Going to have a good time with that. We'll also hear from Chuck Schmelka, Husker men's gymnastics coach. The Huskers set to host the Big Ten men's championships at PBA on Saturday. The Huskers have had a really good year again under Coach Schmelka. We'll hear about what we can expect to see Saturday at PBA for that. And, of course, Phone lines are open for you at 531-500-4686. Choose your experience with Woodhouse. Shop, finance, and buy your next vehicle in person or online at woodhouse.com. Ben's back to talk to Cam Jurgens. We'll do that next. We are off and moving on a Sports Nightly Tuesday. Thanks to everybody for spending part of your evening here with us. Happy to welcome into the program here tonight, our first guest of the show, Nebraska center Cam Jurgens. Huskers on the field for spring practice number one today. Members of the media had a chance to chat with coaches and players yesterday for the first time in a while. Cam Jurgens, nice enough to give us a few minutes of his time. I just started out by asking Cam how excited he was to get back on the practice field soon after a long season of weightlifting and conditioning to finally have spring ball around the corner. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, we've been working all uh... – we're long in conditioning. We see everybody's numbers going up and everybody's running faster and uh, jumping higher, running more or lifting more. And uh, it's kind of exciting to finally get out to the field and get to hit some people and work together as a unit. Uh, camaraderie has been awesome. So I'm kind of excited to see how it translate, translates to the field. Cam, where was your focus at this offseason individually? What were you really trying to hone in on and, and um, you know, focus your, your training to get your body in the right spot for the spring? Uh, I think just a little bit of everything, you know, I'm just following the plan that uh, our strength coaches have for us and doing everything they want. And then just uh, working on my skills and everything uh, I can do to become better. And uh, I think another big part is just being the best leader I can be, maybe stepping up into a more of a vocal role in the O-line and uh, kind of helping the guys around me and uh, some of the younger guys come up. Cam, I know any time that there's a scoreboard or any type of goal, things get, get pretty competitive in the weight room, whether you're competing with yourself or your teammates. But what was that like? Give us a sense of what that's like, working out with your teammates and then, of course, you know, the testing aspect when you're all trying to you know, top your previous best numbers and what type of environment that's like. Yeah, testing was awesome. I mean, it was such a – amped up environment that everybody's trying to beat each other out and everybody's trying to beat their old scores. But another cool thing that like Frost emphasized is how we did this testing throughout, like when he got here in the nineties. And so like, we got to see like some of the numbers that they did back in the day. And then we get to compete against those numbers. So it was just awesome watching some of our guys kind of beat them numbers and see that like, we're just as fast and just as strong as guys before us, if not more. So, and another cool thing about testing, it's not just, it's not just cool to see everybody go and uh, do the lifts and do the runs, but it was awesome to see everybody around them and the camaraderie was awesome. Everybody's cheering each other on, wanting everybody to do their best, hit their numbers. So that was really cool to see. I think uh, the culture around it has been kind of sweet to see uh, grow into a little bit more. Yeah, Cam, it kind of leads into my next question. As, as important as it is to get after it in the weight room, one of the you know underrated parts of the offseason is getting to know your teammates better and, and just be around each other. And after everything that you guys went through last year with COVID and the uncertainty and being away and having weight rooms locked and all that kind of thing, 
we've seen some videos of the dodgeball, the bowling. I think you guys even went paintballing. What's that, that part been like too, you know, just to bond with your teammates and to go closer to the guys that you're going to be suiting up with on Saturdays? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important to have that, you know, bonding in the off season, because when you get into the season, you need to be able to rely on the brother to your right and brother to your left. And uh, that's kind of what we're building. I mean, not only just uh, bonding with the guys, but building a culture. So, if that can help us be a little closer and help us win, that's what we need, and we need that winning culture. And I think uh, that's what we were working on building. You have a handful of new players at Nebraska for the first time that are getting a taste of what this culture is all about. I'm not I'm not sure how, how much of those guys you personally have been around with every day, but when you do run into situations where you know they're coming to you for guidance or they're asking you questions about what it's like at Nebraska, what do you tell these new players about what you want the culture to be at Nebraska and when you get more players here when uh, when the spring's over in the summer? Yeah, I think a big part of it is just um, for me just doing what I'm supposed to be doing and being accountable and setting the tone. If I can show those guys just what, what should be done, uh, that goes a long way because a lot of people are watching you around him. So if somebody that's been starting for a couple of years is just slacking off and not doing what they're told, that just – doesn't help. I think uh, we're in a good situation, right, good situation right now where a lot of our good players are guys that set a good example for the younger guys and some of the new guys coming in. So that's what we want. Cam, when you look at your room, this is a really interesting situation for you to be in. This time a year ago, we're talking about how experienced your offensive line was with guys like Brendan and Matt. Now that those guys are moving on from their Husker careers and, and taking their next step. We're all kind of all looking at you as, as the older guy and the veteran and just how much can change in a year. When you look back at the landscape of the offensive line group, what's it look like now compared to maybe last year and how your role changes because of it? Yeah, I think it's kind of weird looking at it. I've always kind of looked at myself being the young guy in the room and, and now that I'm kind of having the most experience, it's I need to pick up a little bit more of a, a leadership role, be a little more vocal. Last year, uh, Matt Farniak did such a good job of being a leader and being the spokesperson for the O-line, and now uh, it kind of gets passed down to me and some other guys on the O-line. It can kind of be a little bit more of a shared leadership, and I can step up as much as I can. And um, it's going to be cool. I mean, we got a lot of guys that can play, and we're kind of excited to get after it. Usually there's a a year or two waiting period. One of the I always say the offensive line is one of the hardest positions to come in and play right away. You, you had to do it. Turner had to do it, uh, and a couple of other your teammates had to do it. What when you have some some younger players that have gained some experience and that you've personally seen in practice that that are now going to get the chance with some of these guys leaving? What excites you about the potential of this offensive line uh, of of some of these young guys that are finally going to get their turn? Yeah, I think um, these guys waiting to play, there's a lot of good athletes on the O-line and kind of excited to see what they're able to do. Uh, A big part about, you know, growing with your experience on the O-line is being able to just know what you're doing, but not only know, but trust the people next to you that they know what they're doing. And when you work together as a cohesive unit, I mean, big things can happen. Uh, We can have a really good year, but I'm really excited for some of the younger guys and the guys that are going to get a chance to play. Cam, let's talk about you for a second. How you feeling? How's the foot? How 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 how's your health entering spring? I'm feeling pretty good right now. I think uh, that's going to be a big thing this spring and going into the year, just staying healthy and uh, just doing everything I can 
uh, it helps when you're healthy. So that's what I'm going to say. When you think to where your Husker journey started, and there's still a lot of your Husker career left to unfold. I don't want to make it seem like you're done here already, but how has this gone for you, man? Since since being recruited, changing positions, going to center, learning a new new spot, playing a spot you never played before, and then beefing up to it. I mean, putting on the weight. Just how has your 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 Husker story gone compared to maybe where you thought when you first originally signed? Yeah, I think uh, I've kind of been through a lot of adversity since I've gotten here. I mean, I changed positions, put on a bunch of weight since I've been here, and uh, just, you know, taken on different roles and kind of gone through a lot of injuries. So being able to fight through that adversity and be where I'm at, so I'm kind of I'm looking forward for a healthy year, and that's what, that's what I'm kind of excited about. Kim, we'll talk a little bit about your your group here, your offense. You look, you got a, a, an experienced quarterback in Adrian coming back, but you've got a lot of new players that are going to be, you know, making some plays for this offense with with some guys no longer a part of the program. Leaves opportunities for other players or younger players. Um, who are you excited to to get eyes on and, and see work in this offense, maybe for the first time, or really have their role increased? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys, especially at running back and wide receiver, that can be plugged in and play and uh, produce well. I think I'm pretty excited to see the offense. I mean, the last couple of years, I feel like we've lacked a little bit of explosive plays and big plays, and uh, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most is just seeing how we can improve in that and uh, move the ball down the field. But, I mean, as always, I'm really excited to see Adrian uh, play. I mean, that guy's a he's a gamer, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. Cam, I know something that you've worked hard on is is your snapping consistently and you know putting that issue behind you. What all goes into that? Walk through that with us about you know everything that goes into it and and how how you have to approach snapping the football consistently and you know making that the first priority that no other offensive lineman has is grabbing the ball. What walk us through what all goes into that and and how difficult it can be. Yeah, I mean it's. It's not too difficult when you're having good snaps, but when you're having bad snaps and people are on you, I mean, it's just changing it and uh, doing everything you can. I mean, that should be my first focus right away is getting the ball to a good spot for the quarterback. And I've kind of changed up some of my technique for it, and I think it's just perfecting it and just being confident. I mean, there's going to be a few bad ones, but uh, it shouldn't be anything like last year or the year before. And that that needs to be pretty – consistent i mean adrian needs to be able to rely on that and it's just putting in the work and uh getting advice about the best way to do it and the most consistent way to do it and what feels the best for me and i think uh i mean i haven't been snapping for too long but it's just getting it's been feeling a lot better i'll tell you that uh just changing a few techniques changes a lot so just working on that and being consistent i mean that's going to be a big focus this spring is just making sure there's no bad snaps i mean it it happens day by day. If I don't have a bad snap today, I'll work on it tomorrow. And then if that springs into a week, it can go into the whole spring ball. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Cam, we'll let you go with this one, man. How much has it helped to have some sort of regularity to your schedule after last year, literally waiting by your phone, maybe refreshing Twitter or news to find out what was going to be new on your schedule last year compared to this year where everything's structured, everything organized, you're not waiting to find out this, find out that. How much has that just helped your preparation than knowing you're going to get a full spring to prepare for another long year? Yeah, um, last year around this time, we're just getting ready to start spring ball, and then we're told uh, in a couple of days everything's off, so we didn't get any spring ball. 
and we kind of got told every week that we were hopefully starting the next week and then starting the next week after that. And now uh, having that set, we're, we're going to be starting practice today and tomorrow. So that just helps, uh, helps a ton. I mean, you're just sure of yourself and sure of uh, the guys around you that we're going to get a, finally get some work in. It's been a while. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you on. Great to be previewing spring practice, which begins this week. Cam, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Keep that body healthy. We'll look forward to seeing you out at practice. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Here comes the serve. That one's in. Pass made by Kayleigh. The slide stiffens. Kaboom! Hoo-hoo! Wow! That's waking babies all over greater Ann Arbor. 23-19, Big Red. With Husker head volleyball coach, John Cook. And now Michigan feeds left page. Jones blocked! Kayla Caffey, Lexi's son. Wow! 22-13 in the Huskers. Eight blocks in this match. The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry Headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics at SarterHeyman.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Greetings, Nebraska. Hello. Welcome to your Nebraska Volleyball Show, Tuesdays at 7 Central. I know. Not always Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central this spring, but we're back at Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central. My understanding is the rest of this season, which now gets a 20-day break. Nearly three weeks until the Huskers should Nebraska get selected for the field of 48 teams in the upcoming NCAA tournament play again. Uh, the Huskers will face off in the second round, presumably, and it'll be 20 days since the last time they played a match. And that was the victory over Michigan, a sweep over the Wolverines on the road on Friday. The Huskers, because of that, rise one spot in the ABCA top 25, leapfrogging Texas, and thus it's Wisconsin, Kentucky, Minnesota, and Nebraska in that order, the top four. But historically, what the uh, tournament seating committee does and what the ABCA rankings say often differ. So that is barely an indicator of what we'll find out Sunday at 3 o'clock from the selection committee when we learn the choices for the upcoming NCAA tournament. And the reason there's this three-week gap is that the Penn State matches that were scheduled for the Devaney Thursday and Friday night have both been canceled. And you can join us, if you would like, at 531-500-4686, 531-500-4686. And let's bring in the head coach of Nebraska Volleyball, Coach John Cook. Good evening. What's up, JB? I'm not happy. I know. I'm just working on my putting right now. <laughs> you got 20 days to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what happened? Uh, Penn State last Thursday, of course, had to cancel against Wisconsin. And, and because they got a, a positive and, and then somebody at very close contact. So the way things work is when you get a positive, of course, that sends off red flags. And then the question is, who else might have it? And since there was a close contact, and then we learned today there was other close contacts. So Penn State is 
very concerned for their program if they have more positives, which could impact the NCAA tournament. And if they came here, we have concerns. What if somebody's got it, doesn't know it yet, and is spreading it, which is what happened with Michigan and Michigan State and Wisconsin, you know, a month ago. So the doctors decided to pull the plug on it, and uh, here we are doing the radio, and I'm working on putting, and and, uh, you'll probably be playing golf Thursday. (laughs) Now, this isn't just the old-fashioned COVID-19. This is one of those new variants, right? They're the ones that have been rampaging through Ann Arbor and and other Rust Belt areas. So it's, it's, it's of particular concern because these new variants apparently are even more contagious. Yeah. Well, I learned today that um, Penn State or State College, Happy Valley, is the seventh hottest mm. COVID outbreak place in the United States. So they're obviously having major outbreaks there, which is also concerning, you know, when you, you know, here's the other fear. Uh, I just know, I mean, you didn't travel with us, but when we found out everybody was po- was negative on the last day while we were at Michigan, the happiest person on the bus was Lindsay Peterson because she knew at that point she wouldn't have to ride home with somebody from Michigan back to Nebraska. Hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, that's that's the other concern about Penn State coming out here. If they did get a positive while they were here and – you know, third, Wednesday would be day six, Thursday's day seven from their first positive. So that's when you see a lot of spread on the COVID. So they could get here, cancel the match, and then somebody's got to drive players back. And so it's just, just a lot of risk and, you know, it's, it's, it's no fun. Discouraging. So I came up with an idea because it'd be fun if the Huskers could play somehow against some opponent, and clearly it cannot be Penn State. Well, Michigan is playing at Wisconsin. I'm not sure Michigan even wants to play those matches. Michigan is not going to make the NCAA tournament. Is there any flexibility here? Could you contact Michigan and find out if they want to finish their season prematurely and then contact Wisconsin to find out if they'd like to play you somewhere, somehow? Uh, JB, I'd probably get fired if I did that. (laughs) You You can't mess with the Big Ten schedule like that? No, no. And, you know, Michigan hasn't played very many matches, so they, they're probably fired up to play. And um, uh, so, you know, they're try, probably trying to get as many matches as they can. So it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. Mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll use this week to kind of rest, recover a little bit. Um, we were kind of beat up. You saw us all taped up against Michigan and, and – uh, and then we'll start gearing up next week, you know, to make uh, try to try to peak for, you know, uh, if we get in the tournament and when we play the first round or second round, whatever it's going to be. So give them a break this week and and uh, and start uh, recharging next week when you're still going to have two more weeks. Well, we'll we'll uh, technically uh, we'll either play two weeks from tomorrow or two weeks from Thursday depending on where we're seated in the tournament. So we got a two-week window here. So we never just shut it down because we found out with COVID, especially when you shut it down, you get all kinds of other issues. So we're just going to do light stuff every day. Uh, we're going to throw in yoga this week, um, do some some different kind of cross-training type things, and um, just try to keep them active and moving and, and, but mentally, you know, give them a break from volleyball and from training. And then 
next week, I think we get in a good routine and then we're either going to Omaha Sunday or Monday. And, you know, the other thing is that when you, when you get to Omaha, you have to quarantine for a day, test, and then you get a 90-minute practice, and then the following day you play. So you better have your homework finished uh, before you get to Omaha. Nebraska head coach John Cook here on the Nebraska Volleyball Show, 531-500-4686, 531-500-4686. And, and uh, Coach, I, I take it if one of these other six Big Ten matches somehow gets canceled and one team is, is, is unaffected, and is there any chance we could reschedule anything later this week? Or are you pretty much done for the regular season and gearing up for the postseason? No, I think everybody's a little bit uh, nervous about, you know, if you get a COVID outbreak going into the tournament, you know, I, I know in the men's hockey tournament, I mean, three teams had to can't pull out. So uh, it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a tense time of year. It's a risky time of year. And I think right now everybody's just kind of staying in their lanes, doing what the schedule says. And, and we're not allowed to play outside conference. I mean, I would have, I'd love to play Creighton or, or UNO. Uh, just to get a match in, uh, but you know we're not allowed to play outside of our conference, so we're kind of you know it's just the way it is. You and lots of other coaches at least tweeted and maybe did something beyond that uh, a suggestion that rather than a field of sixty uh, forty eight excuse me forty eight for this upcoming spring tournament that you'd expand it to the the typical sixty four. Did you ever get a response of any kind, positive or negative, from the NCAA itself? Uh, I, I never heard anything. <laughs> so zero crickets, nothing. Nothing, nothing. So there you go. Wow, sounds like some blind dates I went on. Yeah, that, that's that's rugged. Yeah. How does how does it feel? I mean, you and and uh, you know Kelly over at Wisconsin. I mean, these are I don't know who else got it. Mary Wise at Florida jumped in. I mean, these are some of the pillars of coaching in the sport i mean zero response i mean would you would you at least have appreciated some sort of uh, rejection and an explanation well you sure but you know you just have to look at how the ncaa operates and i mean you know the, the latest is the men's and women's basketball tournaments it just i mean there you go there's the there's the the view they have on women's sports and and you know but Right now, volleyball is in, I know, in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is the number three most popular televised sport, highest ratings uh, behind men's football and men's basketball. Um, I know that number one, it's number one in the nation now in high school participation, volleyball is. Among girls. Uh, Yeah, but we're still treated like we're not in in the club of, men's basketball, women's basketball, and, you know, the women's basketball programs have the men to help push them along and, and get what they need. Uh, and, of course, football is in a different animal, but we, we don't have a comparison in men's volleyball. So, uh, you know, we're still lumped in with those other ones. And, you know, at some point that's got to change, and, and uh, I think the numbers and the popularity will, will help change it. It's really discouraging at a time when the NCAA has elected just this past week to hire a New York City law firm, presumably at great expense, to examine how it treated men's and women's basketball during this NCAA basketball tournament. 
Uh, it, it wasn't something they could review internally. They needed an external New York City law firm to look this over, and we're going to have a report, presumably in a, in a few months. You, just, you would think if ever there were a time when they could do something that uh, would show some respect, uh, more, you know, you know, some public respect towards uh, women's volleyball, this would be that time. Right, right. But, J.B., I, I raised tech to, uh, since we're hosting the, the Final Fours in, or the tournaments in Omaha and everybody's going there, I raised tech to make sure that we didn't have uh, a core sport court laid on cement like they do for club tournaments for the kids uh, for the NCAA tournament. So they're going to be taking the TerraFlex floors from us, UNO, and Creighton, uh, up there and, and making four courts uh, for the NCAA tournament in the uh, CenturyLink, you know, convention center. So, and they're going to put it on, supposedly they're putting it on a wood basketball floor to give it more cushion or some type of cushion so it's not on cement because, you know, that'll, that'll, our play, the college players are not used to playing on those type of surfaces and that, it'll wreck their bodies. So we raised tech to get that done. And um, uh, so I feel least least got something accomplished there. That's that's terrific news. Now, one question I had is I looked at ticket availability for the tournament, and apparently no fans for the first three rounds because I think there's just so many teams and there's so many matches. It's just tough to keep everyone distance, and that's understood if you have it at one location. One question I had is why not use the Baxter Arena? In, in the first couple of rounds? Why not use Creighton's Sokol Arena the first few rounds? Why have everything in, in one location, which makes it very difficult to have any fans? Uh, great question, JB. I have no idea. I mean, that would, that would make a lot of sense, and I know a lot of coaches wanted that. It'd make it a nicer tournament. You could, you could get some fans in those places, and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, they, they're not you know, doing that because Omaha's set up great for something like that. And, and furthermore, you'd have more matches late afternoon in the evening. And you know my opinion on these early morning sporting events. It just you, it changes everything. It's just it adds a new wrinkle that uh, that that affects the, the the play. And so yeah, it, you could have more afternoon and evening events. You could have more television. You could have more radio, which I'm a big fan of. And instead, we've got these fabulous uh, college volleyball venues. I mean, you consider Sokol and Baxter with what we even find in the Big Ten. I mean, these can compare very favorably. These are gorgeous facilities in Omaha, and apparently they're going to be dark, and we're just going to use CHI. Yep, yep, there you go. So that is going to be in just a big convention center, you know, where they host conventions, and, uh, you know, the lighting will be weird. Uh, the courts will be made up in a, just a big convention hall, and, and uh, so it's going to essentially be a club tournament. 5 so, 3 I, one. I look forward to seeing the faces of the – college athletes when they walk in there and see it five three one five hundred four six eight six five three one five hundred four six eight six maybe this is one reason coach that we might benefit from this 2019 day break i guess now we're now down to about uh, 14 days maybe something can be done oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like i said i'm working on my putting <laughs> let's go to doug in grand island hello doug great to have you on the nebraska volleyball show hey JB, I think you're one of the greatest guys to listen to on the radio. And, of course, Coach, you're probably the best in the nation in coaching, and we're thrilled to have you and hope you're there for another 10 years. But my question is, what about the seniors 
that uh, didn't get a chance to experience senior night and that stuff, are they eligible to come back again next year for another year like some of the other athletes in football and basketball and whatnot? I'll hang up and then listen. And uh, thanks again, JB, for what you do. And, Coach, we we just thank the world of you and thank you for what you've done for Nebraska. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug, and uh, great question. Uh, the answer is yes. They basically, this year doesn't count. Uh, our issue is all four of our seniors have graduated or will graduate next month. So uh, we have not discussed with them uh, just, you know, very. we've not had any serious discussions because they want to wait to see how the season goes. And then, of course, I think, depending when they graduate, you know, how do they feel? Do they want to come back? Uh, so there really hasn't been any serious discussions, but they're, they're eligible to come back. They don't count against us. And um, that'll be, you know, we'll have those discussions once the season's over and things settle down and, and just see where they're at. But, you know, right now they're, they're doing everything they can to help this team be the best it can be. And, and then we'll go from there. So those are some big decisions. I mean, you're talking about changing plans and, you know, a couple of them have a chance to go professional. And so it's, you know, it's going to be all over the map, I think, on what they're feeling and what they want to do. And, and again, we'll just wait and see. Once the season's over, then I think it's time to sit down and, and have those conversations. Here's Alan Lincoln. Al, welcome. You're on the Nebraska Volleyball Show with head coach John Cook. Coach Al- Alan Beerman calling with a special best wishes to you in the tournament. From our mutual friend in Hong Kong, John Lin. He called me and wanted me to pass this message along to you, and this was the best opportunity. Okay. <laughs> so he, he's, he's hoping that you guys have good luck, and he expects you to bring home the trophy. Alan Behrman. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he always does, Admiral. <laughs> he, he's a cop. He needs to come and hang out with our team for a month and see the, what the level of competition is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but uh, no, it's good to hear from you. And uh, we miss those days, uh, you know, in China. I think about it all the time, taking those trips there. And, yeah, I, I, I also think about when our, our 2023 is our next opportunity to go. So, uh, uh, hopefully everything will be settled down by then. It'll be, you know. It'll be cool to travel to China. Alan, great to hear from you. And John Lynn, one of the, one of the hosts that Nebraska Volleyball has had. And it's four, tri- four trips to China, 2000, 2006, 2010. And then more recently, uh, uh, Nebraska's made yet another trip. Uh, to the, to China, thanks in part to Husker fans like John Lynn out in, uh, in China. Think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. All right. This one came up kind of uh, a week or two ago. We said, oh, that'd be a good Top 10 list about what are the Top 10 sports months of the year. We're obviously in one pretty big one here in March for another day. Uh, last day of March is tomorrow. So this one was easy, right, guys? This one was probably fun to put together. It was for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was, it was kind of hard differentiating, you know, some of the times of the year because I feel like multiple times of the year I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite. This is my favorite part of the sports <laughs> calendar. But, 
Yeah, decisions were made. Same, yeah. same here. I mean, it was it was a uh, I think a couple months were hard to kind of differentiate a little bit, but uh, I ultimately put my put my foot down and and made some made some tough calls. But I'm overall uh, pleased, I guess I'd say, with my list. Austin, easy or tough? If ever there was a time for a top 12 list, this is certainly <laughs> the time. But no, I, I did keep it to 10. I didn't fudge it by going, you know, mid-September to mid-October. I kept it within the, the calendar month, so that made it a little tougher. But still fun to think back through the uh, months, think about everything going on in some of them. I'm really interested to see if we leave the same two months out off of our list. So we're about to find out. Tim, why don't you start us off? Well, uh, my number 10, I've got a pretty slow sports month. I've got July. It's really only when Wimbledon finishes up. And uh, really the only reason why July snuck in there is because when the Olympics are on, it's a, it's a really oh, good month. Yeah. So uh, that's why July is my number 10. It would be higher if there was more, you know, action going on. Typically there's only a little bit of baseball. But uh, when the Olympics are on, July, it, it ain't a bad sports month. That's why it's my uh, number 10. All right, Austin. I'll back it up one month for my number 10. This is where I've got June. There's baseball on every day, and I love just being able to flip on a TV to two or three different channels, put on any sort of different baseball game. And the NBA playoffs are getting good. I find myself somewhat invested in those. The finals happen mid to late June. So baseball every day plus the NBA finals, that's enough for a spot on my list. Okay, very good. My number 10 is the month of May. You have uh, NBA, NBA and NHL playoffs are going. Major League Baseball is going. You start the Triple Crown for horse racing, right? The Kentucky Derby is always the first Saturday of the month of May. And college baseball is coming down the stretch, and we usually have some fun around here with that. So May makes it into my list at number 10. All right, very good. My number 10, uh, I've actually got the month of August here, and partly because I'll, we've been starting college football in September, in early September. So... You take away college football, August really doesn't do a lot for me. It's still kind of the the dreaded month, I suppose, of of the sports calendar. It's usually the month I take my vacation. So, yeah, don't really have don't really have much much in August keeping me intrigued other than baseball. And if you do have a week zero game to catch my attention, then I'll throw that in there too. Let me just note that we all had four different tens. That's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> No love for fall ball for for Ben McLaughlin. Uh, Well, my number nine, I guess I'll just follow up with Ben said. Yeah, I've got August as well. Um, Every August, you know, it would be a little bit sweeter if college football started, uh, you know, in mid to early August. But, uh, you know, you do have those week zero college football games that start. And, um, you know, of course, you have Major League Baseball really starting to heat up then. So it's a a decent sports month. There's there's a little bit uh, more to look forward to later on in in the fall in September and and onwards. But uh, August, it's not bad, but it does leave you wanting a little bit. So that's why it's still relatively low as my number nine. Number nine for me is month number five. I've got May here at number nine. Greg, you just had it at number 10. For me, baseball is still fresh at that point. We're getting the start of the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, even some NFL draft wrap-up talk. How are these guys going to fit in in that college baseball home stretch? Solid, not quite good enough. Okay, my number nine, I'm going January. And I I, got to admit, the rotten weather played a factor in my mind because you, there are some cool things in January. You have the college football championship game. You have the NFL playoffs going on. Conference playing college hoops is cranked up, but the weather stinks, and it just puts me in a sour mood. So January weather part of it puts me in a sour mood. I've got it at nine. All right. Uh, my number nine here, uh, I've actually got the month of October 
here in number nine. Um, yes, you get the fall classic. That's great. Um, it, you know, if this was 2014, 2015, this would have been much, much higher. But knowing <laughs> where the Kansas City Royals are at this point, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, yeah, I'm going to watch it type scenario. But I'm more face first into into Husker football and. And the NFL is just getting started, too. So it's a good month, definitely worth the calendar for me. But there's just uh, bigger events in other months that get me a lot more excited. So I've got October here at number nine. Well, bold. All right, my number eight is where I've got June, uh, mostly for the CWS. Obviously, that's a big deal as we live in the state of Nebraska. Austin mentioned the NBA Finals. That's not bad as well. Um, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot going on. But, uh, hey, that's a, that's a couple of decent events to, to hold you over, especially in those, those June and July months when you have that summer lull. So good enough for me in June, good enough for my number eight. Number eight for me has been mentioned. I've got September here. We get college football in full swing. Really that first opening month, the first few weeks of college football, there's not a whole lot like it in the sports calendar, but it's that and some baseball playoffs. There's really not a whole lot going on, but growing up here in Nebraska, it's the opening weeks of college football are some of the best of the year. So that's why it raises a couple spots to number eight for me. Okay. My number eight is February. Starts with the Super Bowl. You have the NFL Combine. You have conference basketball races really heating up. And spring training, college baseball, that makes me feel really warm inside to think about that. So February makes my list of number eight. Okay. My number eight is the month of December. Um, And, again, it would be higher, but I've got a nice piggyback later on to to bridge the month. Uh, There's nothing better than the week of Christmas, the week after Christmas up to the 30th of December, than watching a whole bunch of bowl games. And competing with our uh, our staff and our our fantasy <laughs> bowl draft that we do, and, and watching the college football bowl game, so that in college basketball is just getting started. So there's enough to keep me occupied, and enough uh, NBA action on Christmas Day to get me something to watch too. So December, my number eight. My number seven, this is where I have January. It's a really a loaded month. You have New Year's Day bowl games. Also, this is kind of when college basketball begins to get interesting. NBA season in full swing. You have the NFL playoffs. So, really, January has a lot to offer. Yes, the weather, as Greg mentioned, is never the best. Um, maybe I moved it up a little bit because that's also my my birthday month, which everyone the whole world celebrates, Homer. right? Yep. <laughs> and then uh, you also have that, like, that latent holiday effect because it's just coming off of Christmas and New Year's Day. So uh, January, it's a, decent, it's, a, it's a decent sports month. Decent indeed. Seven for me is August. This is where I've got it with some of those week zero, week one games for college football. Hope springs eternal, right, early in the season. So the good vibes around college football season every year is always fun. And the MLB trade deadline is usually around August, end of July. So you get to see how some of those new additions are helping their team if they make a difference in the stretch run. And I know the Royals have been out of it in August for the last couple of years, but it doesn't stop me from watching. So I just love that kind of August feel of baseball games. It bumps it up a little bit for me. All right, very good. My number seven has been mentioned. Here's where I have June. I have it a little higher. You have the college baseball playoffs going on. You do have NBA finals, NHL finals, and I love golf. It's the U.S. Open month, so uh, that's why I probably put June up a tick or two higher. I've got them at number seven. I align with Greg. I've got June at seven. Uh, College baseball regionals in June, College World Series in June. Those two events alone are, uh, are are boost in my book, and obviously the golf and you know baseball's in full swing in June as well. So full month for me. I enjoy it. My number seven. 
My number six, I've got December. I think it's an underrated sports month. You have not just the holidays, but also bowl game season, conference championships. You have the NBA playing on Christmas Day as well. Conference play typically starts uh, in college bat, at least in the Big Ten here. So it, it's all good. I mean, the only downside is that some of those matchups, like the Beefo Brady St. Petersburg Bowl, don't exactly uh, entice you. But it's something to watch <laughs> when there's, you know, nothing else really on. So December, not a bad month for sports, which is why it's my number six. All right, rounding out the back half of my top ten at number six. I've got January here. The New Year's six bowls are always fun to watch. It's a full day of college football. Hard to complain about that. You get the NFL playoffs, college football championship, and even some post-Christmas basketball is good. I know it's sometimes where you bury some of those no-name by-game opponents, but also conference play usually gets started in January, and you get to see what teams really start to look like about that time of year. Okay, my number six is November, the height of the college football season. Those major rivalry matchups are going on. The NBA tips off usually right the first week of November. College basketball gets cranked up. You get all those Maui Invitational-type tournaments and uh, starting to form the playoffs for the NFL. So a pretty good month uh, for, for me is November. I've got it six. I agree with Greg again. No, number six for me is November, and I feel like my top six, one or two, individual events weigh so much for me where they can carry the whole month and just having football on thanksgiving to make the time with family go a little easier uh (laughs) i got november at six and you know for the other reasons that greg mentioned college football rivalries and and everything else so i've got uh, november at number six my number five i've got september here september you know college football starts need i say more uh of course what is the Ryder cup as well i think is normally in september but college football come on baby that's all you need that's also when the most fun kind of chick-fil-a kickoff classic non-con matchups are so there's really nothing bad i can say about september the only problem is it just goes by too fast so september my number five number five for me is december we mentioned bowl season there's some good non-conference college basketball on and lately conference plays have been starting there too. get a couple of those games in you get nfl playoff pushes major league baseball winter meetings in december something to track sometimes get deals down and of course how could we forget husker volleyball always playing in december i remember just a few years ago i got a final push back a couple hours to watch the final four match against penn state so that's always a a little pick me up for husker fans in late december Okay, my number five, I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot higher. I've got March here at number five. Love March Madness, but that's really kind of, that's about it. I mean, yeah, you have a little college baseball that's kind of cranking up. A lot of people though don't even really know we're playing games in March, but love the tournament, but that's kind of all there is right now in March for me, so it's five. I again align with Greg. I've got uh, March here at number five. March Madness is plenty plenty good, for the, especially those first two days, to be in the top five, but you know, there are just events on the sports calendar that mean a little bit more. So March at five. Okay. My number four, I think Greg, you already had November. This is really when the NFL and college football start to get really, really good. You have a really major matchup and rivalries pretty much every weekend to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, every every Saturday in the fall is never a bad one. But November especially is, is when it starts to get really good. So that's why it is my number four. Yep, Tim is cheating off my list. I, too, have November at number four. 
Well, I'm a month ahead of you. I've got October here at my four, just what you guys talked about, the baseball playoffs. I love that. College football, NFL are in full swing. you got basketball practices starting right about that time. Uh, even if you go down to the prep ranks, all those playoff battles in football start in October. So love that time of year. Love the weather. Love all the things that are happening in October. It makes my list at four. My number four, I've got February, and it's probably way higher than what you guys have uh, for the month of February. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing like that first weekend of Husker baseball in a warm climate here in the ping of the bat. (laughs) That first weekend alone for me is obviously really high on my list. Um, You know, just there's a little bit of lull with hoop season, you know, kind of in the middle of a grind, and then, boom, all of a sudden you're in a warm place and here in the ping of the bats and – you know, dreaming of, of warmer weather coming around in the spring. So February for me, my number four. Okay, my number three. This is where I actually have April. You know, we, we might call it March Madness, but that's really when the spring championships take place, not in March, but in April, even for the NCAA tournament. Uh, you also have the NFL draft. That's something you're into. And uh, have I mentioned the Masters yet? Oh, yeah, you have the Masters. April, not a bad sports month, in my opinion. That's why it's my numero three. Number three for me is month number three. I've got March here at number three, spring training, March Madness, NBA still going on, college baseball getting started. Well, it started in February, but really starting to get cranked up. And, of course, getting ready for spring practice to start. There's a lot going on in March. Maybe it's not a whole lot of huge events, but March Madness and just the variety really pushes that up my list. Okay. My three was Austin's five and Tim's six. This is where I have December. Love those conference championship games that first weekend in December. NFL playoff race is really hot at that point in time. Remember Christmas Day is loaded with NBA games, which might be the first time that I've watched NBA all year long is on Christmas Day. And I love the bowl games. I love them all. I'll watch all those bowl games that start the week before Christmas and get cranked up. And there's always some pretty cool college basketball matchups. You'll have the the Big Ten ACC Challenge usually falls in December. So uh, you got some cool matchups in the college hoops as well. I love that month. It's my three. I've got historically the first week of college football on my list at number three, and that's September. Again, start of the NFL season, start of college football season. August is such a drag. You're, we're just starving for something, Rewatching old games and all that other stuff just to kill time to get there. And then finally, when you get those first games, again, some of them bleed into August, but most of college football has been starting in September. There's nothing like that first full slate uh, of college football games and the first time that we're watching the Big Red play. So September for me, number three. My number two, this is where I have the month of March. Of course, no other sporting event has coined an entire month, but uh, March Madness here, the tournament has. Also, of course, you have Major League Baseball now getting started in, in real late March, so you have that to look forward to as well, as well as spring training. So March Madness, yeah, uh, the, I think the, those first two rounds are, are pretty much my favorite or close to my favorite of the sporting calendar all year. So that's why March is my number two. Okay. Oh, wow. sorry, Austin. All good. Uh, number two for me might be the biggest difference in a list that we have. Ben had this at number nine. I've got it here at number two. October is my number two. It's the middle of college football season. We get college basketball getting going. The NFL's really ramping up. There's postseason baseball on when it gets really meaningful. There's just pretty much everything you could ask for going on in October. And I know it's starting to get colder, getting chillier, but who doesn't love some good fall weather? Love it. I had it at four. My number two, and a couple of you guys have already had it. Here's where I have April. 
I mean, you got the Final Four. You've got the Masters. You've got opening day for Major League Baseball. You have the NFL draft. It's just so many things happening during the month of April. Spring, eternal optimist for all that stuff. I love it. April's my number two. My number two, January. And the first week of January is plenty enough for me. That fir- January 1st every year, uh, you're working off all the food and perhaps beverages that you had maybe the night before uh, celebrating the new year, and you're soaking it all in with the best college football games of the year. So January for me. Okay, my Num- number one. one. I have the month of October, the month that Ben so grievously <laughs> slandered uh, here earlier. You got college football in full swing, Major League Baseball playoffs, as well as the World Series, of course. NBA typically starts in October. So does the NHL. I mean, there's really nothing bad about it. Also, the weather, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much great. It's crisp. It's not too cold. It's not too warm. It's just a beautiful fall crunch underneath your feet as you step on the leaves. And, yeah, everything everything's basically in full swing. It's just a loaded, loaded month. And October is why that is my number one. So there you have it. All right, I've got the October of the spring at number one. I've got April here, one spot higher than you, Greg. Got baseball starting, college baseball ramping up, the NFL draft, college basketball championship, and, of course, some of the rest of the tournament, college football spring practice. You can flip on NBA in the background and all sorts of other stuff I'm sure I'm leaving off. Yep, give me April. It's a lot going on that month, isn't there? Uh, for me, number one for me is September. I, I just I can't beat the excitement of the opening weekend of college football, the opening weekend of the NFL, the first time you flip on game day on Saturday morning, and the excitement you feel going to the stadium, seeing people tailgating, high school football kicks off. I just There's just so much that I just love about that month. And I love baseball coming down the stretch with pennant races. A lot of people involved in that. U.S. Open tennis is that month. A lot of times the Ryder Cup is in September. So, man, just a lot of good stuff. April for me this month, Masters, baseball, weather starting to get nice, Husker baseball. Um, it's just it's the perfect storm. March Madness finishing up. You've got a little bit of everything, and uh, I love it all in the month of April, mostly the weather turning nice. So that's my number one. What did what were the two months everybody left off? I left off July and August for the two that I left off. I actually left off February, uh, which okay. I looking back, I probably would have swapped that back out for July. And then the other month, I don't remember which one was it. Well, May, May and uh, May, yeah, May and July for me. Yeah, May, May and February is for me. Okay. Yeah, Austin. July for me and February for me. So different combinations there all across yeah. the board. Really cool. All right, good stuff. I knew that would be fun. I, I knew we'd have fun with that, and you guys are at home probably played along with this as well. It's just uh, it's all kind of personal choice. What what sports really get you fired up and getting going? But uh, we're certainly in a good one right now in March, and got a great one in April coming up as well. All right, when we come back, we'll talk some Husker men's gymnastics. They're about ready to host the Big Ten meet this weekend in Lincoln. We'll talk to Chuck Schmelka coming up next. We're back, Sports Island here on a Tuesday night. Greg Sharp with you coming up on Saturday at PBA. Nebraska will host and entertain the rest of the Big Ten for the Big Ten men's gymnastics meet. We're delighted to have on the program tonight Husker coach Chuck Schmelka. Hello, Coach. How, how are you? How you been? I haven't talked to you in a couple months. You doing okay? I'm doing, doing pretty well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Give us kind of a rundown of the, what the season has been like for you and your team. We have done very well so far. We're seated second in the Big Ten Championships. We're ranked fourth nationally. But all seven of our teams in the Big Ten are in the top nine. 
nationally. Wow. So we got our work cut out for us. We got to put together a, a good solid meet, and we should do pretty well. Coach, you, you last competed in Iowa City. You you lost a tight one in the team total to Iowa, but you won five of the seven events, right? You you had some pretty darn good individual efforts over there in Iowa City. Yes, we did real well. I was really pleased how we did. We made a couple bobbles that cost us a meet, but overall, we did some new routines, and uh, it was fine. Well, you talk about the, the, getting a chance to finally now swing some doors open for some fans this week. That's going to be that's going to be great, isn't it? For these wonderful athletes to have a, an audience to perform in front of more than just the family members that you've been allowed to have in for your meets up to now. Greg, it's going to be so exciting. It's been so weird this year, just competing with you know ninety people in the stands and trying to make your own noise and energy. And this will be the first gymnastics meet in Pinnacle Bank ever. Oh, yeah. And on a podium with fans, look out. I hope it's, I hope it's packed. Well, and, and just tell the folks, I mean, uh, obviously these are some of the best male gymnasts in our country, right? I mean, the, the Big Ten is just, it's, that's where it is for men's gymnastics. They're going to see some wonderful athletes this weekend, aren't they? Yes, we're loaded. Uh, we just kind of beat each other up during the season <laughs> because that's all we could do is compete against Big Ten teams. That's why, you know, everybody's been bouncing around. But we have three – there's three guys, one from Minnesota and two from Michigan, who have a very good chance of making this Olympic team. Um, our team is real solid. Every team's solid. you got to be on. Any, I think anybody could win this thing. So it's just going to be a matter of who gets hot and gets rolling. Coach, when, when we spoke right when your season began back in January, you were pretty high on some of your young gymnasts, some of your freshmen. And my goodness, you've had some incredible performances by that group of young men. Tell us about some of those guys. Well, what can you say about Taylor Christophilus? You know, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, he is just one solid kid. I am, I don't think I've met a young man who's more determined, more committed to excellence in everything he does, and I'm just so proud of him. His, all his awards, he's earned them all. He's worked so hard. It's just wonderful. And then Yanni Kronopoulos, he's had a great season. He was our real solid sixth man, and then when we went to a five-up, five-count lineup, He's been uh, the alternate, but he's still working hard. He's there, ready to go if something happens and we need him. And it's just a total team effort. We are going to be competing probably 15 guys, and uh, Taylor will be the lone all-arounder, and we're going to need everyone to hit. When do you find out or do you know already what, what events you will start on? On Saturday. Yes, we do know already. We're going to start on parallel bars, which – we like, we feel that's a pretty good starting event for us. We're pretty solid there. And then we get to end on vaulting, which is typically the highest scoring event. So we could put a run at the end of the meet and, and bang out five vaults and see where we could finish. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little naive in this. Is that predetermined because you're the host school or how does, how do they de- determine where, what, what uh, element you start with? Actually, the Big Ten does it by a random draw in the right? September meetings. So we've known for nine months or however long it's been, yeah. 
I bet that's intense. When those get those are getting pulled out of the hat, do, do they pull them out of a hat? What? How do they do that? It really is a Big Ten hat. Yes. Wow. Last year's champion draws first, and then it just goes down to the line, and they have all six events. Well, actually, seven events because one of the uh, events is the buy between floor exercise and pommel horse, and then each team just picks it and announces it, and then we write them down, and away we go. Wow, that's fantastic. Again, visiting with Husker men's, Jim, Husker men's coach Chuck Schmelka here on Sports Nightly. Huskers to host the Big Ten Championships again at PBA, not Devaney. PBA, uh, it'll be at 7 o'clock Saturday night. BTM will also be televising that live as well, and they're letting up to 5,000 spectators in. That is going to be phenomenal for that. All right, size up the team race for us. You said you're, you, you're number two in this thing. Who, who, who's this going to come down to in your eyes as you get into, into this thing on Saturday? Well, Michigan's really solid. They have two outstanding all-arounders. And then they put together three really solid routines after that per event. Uh, but truthfully, everybody's good, and, and including us. And I, and I think we have a real good chance. I, I like where we're at right now as a team. Uh, we're real confident. We've been hitting really good routines we just have to go out there and get a little chip on our shoulder and just show them who's boss. How, how did PBA get selected? Was that because the volleyball supposedly being, being happening at Devaney this weekend or, or what? And are you excited about being able to compete in PBA? Well, first of all, yeah, we're really excited to be in PBA just to have the first gymnastics meet ever there. And then, when we found out we could get the podium, which is like, a, if you don't know what a podium is, it's a big platform where all our apparatus will be on. So it really showcases the athletes like they're just way above the ground level. It's it's really a, an awesome, hey, this will be probably the best competition in the country, uh, the Big Ten Championship. So uh, come out and see us. But we, we got to PBA because of uh, volleyball. Yeah, Penn mm-hmm. State was are they not coming? I hear, but Penn State's yeah. supposed to be here and play volleyball. Yeah. They've they've canceled, so that it's open. And, yeah. and I know your I know your team dealt with that way back in January, right? You were supposed to compete against Michigan. <laughs> yep. They were in town, I believe. I think they were here when their athletic department yeah. said, "No, we're pulling the plug." That's exactly correct. It was about eight thirty at night. Uh, we're oh. driving home from an age group meet. And the coach calls, or my boss calls me first, and then the coach calls me and says, we got to go home. I go, come on, we're here, let's go. We can compete. We're all safe. We all test. Let's do it. Nope, i got to leave. And they wouldn't even let him fly home. They had to bus home. So what a drag. Unbelievable. How, how, how challenging a year, Coach, has this been? For you and your athletes, you mentioned the testing part of it, the not being able to open the doors for fans to come watch you. This has really had to have been a very tough and challenging year for you and your your team. It's been a, weird, a, weird, a year like no other. I'll hopefully never have another one like it. I mean, it started just with the recruiting process and the NCAA putting the dead period on, and it's still on. And, you know, we couldn't have any recruits in, and we couldn't go see them, and then – we had a season, and then it got taken away, and then it turned into just Big Ten season. So at least we had one, and then it was no fans, and then we test, uh, you know, three times a week. And I just got to applaud our guys. I mean, they're, they're all athletes, really, because 
all athletes have gone through the same thing, and it's just been so difficult of a year to just keep your head straight and do well in school still and, and your out and your sport. So yeah, it's been interesting, but uh, I'm just proud of our team, how we've hung together and kept fighting and, and doing the right things. Uh, well, fantastic. We're looking forward to watching this thing again. There's some tickets available. PBA Saturday night, seven o'clock Huskers right in the midst of this big 10 championships coach. Always great to catch up with you. Best of luck. We'll be pulling hard for you this weekend. Thanks so much, Greg. I sure appreciate you having me on. 